we've been teaching on Ephesians, and we've called this series, if you look online, just the letter E, and uh, it's better than typing out Ephesians every time, not that it would be hard to cut and paste, but that being said, so we're in E1, which the next number, if you look online, represents the chapter. This is number eight, and um, so there, we've been teaching this. Actually, Pastor Linda, who's out of town, has taught two of these. And so hers might be the best ones, but you'll just have to listen to all of them to find out. No, the Bible is the Bible, and it's good. So Ephesians, the first chapter, and I was even thinking, you know, praying and getting ready. I thought, man, we could be out of the first chapter in another week or so. So Ephesians, the first chapter, somebody said, well, I'm not coming back till the second chapter. No, there's something to learn all through this. We're going to read verse 11. We're going to skip verse 12, go to 13 and 14. It says this. It says, in him also we have obtained an inheritance. Now, we said this before. One thing you're going to see in the book of Ephesians, and really you're going to find this in the New Testament, is that phrase, in him, or variations of it, through him, by him, through whom. And what it is is these statements are statements of fact that are things that God has already done for you, or you already have in Jesus. And so there are things that we have in Jesus. When we give our lives to the Lord, there's things we have. But there are things we may not know we have, but we've got them. I, I read a story about, <clears throat> about a Portuguese um, aristocrat who was super wealthy and... Uh, 13 years before he died, he decided who would get his inheritance. And he decided he would divvy it up between 70 people. And the way he picked them for this inheritance was he just searched the phone book at random. Well, none of your names were in there, I don't think. But in this Portuguese uh, phone book, and he just went through random and chose 70 people. 13 years before he died. Then when he died, they executed his will. All these people had an inheritance. They started calling. You ever got a call from Great Britain that, or an email that they have $79 million that's yours? And you went, yeah, whatever. That's what these people started doing. Right. Right. They didn't believe him. They were skeptical. They had to persuade him. There's another story about a man who had divorced his wife. He uh, became an alcoholic and was using drugs and was living just on the streets. And uh, her family, somebody in her family died. And literally, she ended up, because of the divorce and everything, the husband knew that, that there was some money somewhere in the family but had no real idea and uh, there was $6 million given to him. So the police came to him when he was hanging out in a park, you know, a homeless guy, <clears throat> drunk. And they said, is your name so-and-so? And he thought, great, they're going to bust me for drugs. You know, because he had had a history and he was drunk. And he took off running and escaped from the police. All they wanted to do was tell him, you have an inheritance of six million, I think it was pounds actually, 
that he had an inheritance. Didn't know it, thought, you got to be kidding. They, they literally, he avoided the police for a while. They sent lawyers and different things trying to find him. Think about those 70 aristoc- or people that that aristocrat gave mega money to. They had an inheritance, and they thought, whatever. I wonder if, according to this verse, he said, in him, in Jesus, also we have obtained <clears throat> an inheritance. You know, maybe this inheritance, because there are so many believers that once you break it down, maybe you just get like a pumpkin seed or something like that. I mean, you know, because there's so many people spread out among so many. Now, this inheritance we have is big. The problem is, is if we don't know about it or we've been told certain things like, well, this inheritance is about going to heaven. Then we go, okay, cool. And then that's all we ever expect. That's all we ever think. That's all we ever believe. Well, we just go to heaven. That's pretty good in itself. But I mean, we have enough sense that if we went to the Cheesecake Factory and we spent the money on a full-out cheesecake and got home and there was only a piece, I see the faces right now. There's a lot of protests going on. Some of you are like, I'm leaving the service right now if I've got only a piece. I'm going down there and getting the rest. But some people, you know, just uh, think, well, I just have a piece and don't realize there's a whole pie that the inheritance is more than just a little part. And so what happens is maybe people are told, well, that stuff's not for you today. That, That stuff doesn't belong to you today. Well, listen, it was already paid for. And don't accept just a piece when there's a whole thing to the pie. And uh, so here in this verse it says, In him, or in Jesus, also, because there are other in him things above, about redemption, deliverance from the power of the enemy and different things, he said, we also have obtained an inheritance. Our inheritance always automatic, not to those 70 (laughs) and not to that guy. They tried to run him down. I wonder if God's ever tried to run us down. Hey, I'd like you to read your Bible. (laughs) I'm busy. And we take off running. And the reason he wanted you to read it was so you could read the will and read what's in the inheritance. I'm just too busy with my life and running. You know, what's he trying to do to me? He's trying to get you to find out what you might have. And it might be a lot more than you think. And so he said, in, he, we've obtained an inheritance being predestined. And we talk about that. In other words, God has a destination before you. There are scriptures in the, whole, in the Old Testament that talk about how your life is written before you came. In other words, God had a plan for your life. You have to cooperate with it. His plan for Hitler was not to kill millions of Jews. He chose not to follow God and not to follow his plan. But we need to find out what God's plan is, and the primary way we're going to find it is in his word. And he said, we've been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his own will. Look at verse 13. In him, or in Jesus, you also trusted 
How many of you have trusted in Jesus? Put your faith in him. Received him. He said, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel or the good news of your salvation, in whom or in Jesus also you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Notice verse 14. Who is the guarantee? The King James said is the earnest. The earnest or the guarantee? Who's the guarantee? Who is the earnest? The Holy Spirit is the earnest. The earnest of what? You believed in the Lord. You received the Lord. He's the earnest. And that's not like his name, like earnest spirit, like Fred Brown. Earnest is a term. And so when he said he's the earnest or the guarantee of our inheritance, the Holy Spirit, when a person receives the Lord, I was talking to somebody the other day who, who had not received the Lord, but believes, and he said, you know, I just want it to be real, and, and I, it can't be fake. He said, but I got a question for you. He didn't know I was a pastor. He said, can, can God deal with people? Does God speak to people? Does, do things like that happen? Can you know like that? I said, oh, you better believe you can. I said, all right. I was curious. But on the side where he's at, he doesn't know because he doesn't have the earnest, the guarantee. He doesn't have the spirit in him. And so somebody like him, he has to trust in the Lord by faith like we did. But then when someone trusts and believes, they're sealed. What does it mean to be sealed? You know, it's not like talking like a Ziploc bag. Those are terms we use today. A seal back then was, you know, if you, if you like those old movies like the Knights of the Round Table and all that kind of stuff, you know, and um, then the king has a ring and then they, you know, say, go send this letter to so-and-so or send this, you know, and then they, you know, get a candle hot and they drip the wax in and then they take their ring and they stamp it because that ring has a mark that is distinct only to the king to prove its worth, to prove its value, to say this is mine, and they call that the seal. You know, like they'll tie a cloth and then they'll drip wax on it and then they stamp it so that they know if that thing's been broken, somebody read it that shouldn't have read it, got into it, but that's the seal of the king. Well, the seal of the king is not a ring stamp. It's the Spirit of God living in the believer. That is the stamp or the seal, but he's also called the earnest or the guarantee. The guarantee of what? Notice this, the guarantee, verse 14, who is the guarantee or the earnest of our inheritance. He's the guarantee of your inheritance. That is the proof you have an inheritance. If you're saved, you have an inheritance in heaven, but you have an inheritance in the earth, and the Spirit of God living in you is the earnest or the guarantee. He's the earnest. And I mean, you know, we know if you've ever bought a home or looked to buy a home, they use the term earnest, you know, like if you, you know, they say, 
you need to give this amount, you know, and the realtor or the person will tell you, this is what we require, and they call it the earnest. In other words, it means you mean business. Right? I mean, I've bought homes and different things before, and uh, if it were up to me and I saw like four or five I like, I go, put that one, that one, and that one. It would lock them all up until I could choose. That'd be nice on my behalf, but those people are all hung out to dry because two of the three are not going to get my business. So their home's off the market. So they ask for earnest or a guarantee that you mean business. Well, when God purchased you, the, he, the, he gave an earnest. What's so cool about this is if you back out of a deal on a real estate thing for some reason, you know, uh, maybe the home didn't pass the inspection or something and, you know, you get your money back, you get your earnest back. What's really awesome is when a person gets saved, the Spirit of God comes and lives in you, and he said he'll never leave you and never forsake you. And he said he'll be with you for all, forever, always. Well, that's good news because you don't get the deal undone by God. And how many people don't realize because they've been taught the old covenant and we're under a new covenant, the Bible said, established on better promises. And they'll hear when David sinned, you know, in the Old Testament, you know, there'll be songs about it. Just because there's a song on the radio doesn't mean it's right, even if it is on the Christian station. You know, take not your spirit from me, renew a right spirit in me. You know, you ever heard that? That's not appropriate for a Christian. Under the Old Testament, they weren't born again. He said, don't take your spirit. Well, that denotes the spirit wasn't taken for one. But we live in a covenant now where the promises surrounding the Holy Spirit is He will be with you forever and He will never leave you and He will never forsake you and He will be in you always, even to the end of the age. Period. So you could go rob a bank and that's not a suggestion. Kill 12 people and go to jail because that's where you'll end up. And you'll get your own private cell, because you'll be on death row, probably. And you could say, God, forgive me, and he will. And you won't even have to ask for a spirit. He'll be in you. And they said, I don't like that. Well, sorry. Now, you're going to live your life there, and you could tell people, the Lord forgave me, and he will have. People won't like it. You can enjoy the rest of your days being there, and you'll go to heaven after you get a shock out of life or in life. But the fact of the matter is he doesn't leave you. You know, some people measure sin like this one's really bad. Oh, if you commit murder, God's surely going to leave you. Well, what's the difference? The Bible said to be an infraction of one part of the law is to be an infraction of all parts. James said that. And so if you lie, that's just in God's eyes the same way. It's a, a missing the mark. So does God leave for murder but not for a lie? Your theology is wrong. 
I knew you'd be excited about that. It's a fact. I mean, David, or not David, Peter denied the Lord three times and cussed, and God still used him. You see things where people sin did wrong. Paul, man, he was a murderer. God used him. Now, he got saved after and so on. But what I'm saying is, if the Spirit of God leaves you, that goes against Scripture as a believer. If he wasn't in you, you wouldn't have someone in you to draw you back to God. I'll tell you what, anybody who sins it as a believer has somebody inside of them going, you know, because you're not alone. You have a guarantee of your inheritance. When people think it's people who live right that go to heaven, well, I live right, I live good enough, I'll get there. I don't live good enough, man, I need some help. No, that's not how you get there. You get there by receiving Jesus. I'm not suggesting living a wrong life. We don't get saved by works. We get saved so we can do good works. And we need to know that. You know, for the Christian to live wrong is not appropriate. It it, it hurts us ourselves internally because we're not created to do wrong when we get saved. As a matter of fact, Ephesians 2.10, which we won't title this E2, we're still in the first chapter, it said, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, that by these you should glorify God in him. You were made brand new when you received the Lord, and there's just something in you that wants to do right after you give your life to the Lord. A new nature and the Spirit of God, who is the earnest or the down payment, which the Lord said himself, he would never take from you. It's good news. It would free you. I said it would free you. I mean, if God did leave you, you'd be in trouble. Because that's how you get drawn back. And there are cults, you know, people who ride around on bicycles who will knock on your door on on a Saturday morning, possibly during the week. And uh, they wear name badges. Our greeters do too, but they're not of a cult, okay? You're like, they keep trying to give me papers though. Well, it's just like flyers and stuff like that, offering envelope and things like that. But those people want to give you stuff, but they believe, man, if you sin, God just leaves you. I've said stuff on purpose to them because I know they'll hide things and say it and then turn it and say, well, you said this and this, and say, well, which one's true? And they'll just stop. I said, you, you lied to me. And then I've said this. Now, according to your belief, the Spirit of God's left you. Now what are you going to do? Somebody said, you're rotten. Well, I'm working on it. Just trying to get not be rotten. But, you know, it throws people because it doesn't line up with their theology. God lives in you. And he will help you. And he'll help you to be right and do the right thing, too. But he is, before we get so far gone from what I was talking about, the Spirit of God is the guarantee of this inheritance. 
One thing that the Holy Spirit will do, the Bible said, will guide you into all truth. He's called the Spirit of truth. The devil is a liar. The Bible said he's the originator of liars and he speak li- speaks lies. So if the spirit of truth is in you and he's going to guide you into all truth and you have an inheritance and he's the guarantee of the inheritance, he's going to try to get you to understand the inheritance you have and not just part of it and not just understand it to help you to walk in it. He's in the business. Jesus said, I'm going away, but it's it's good, it's to your advantage, because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to help you to know. And what's so cool is, you don't have to say, well, be with me today, Lord. If you're saved, you never have to say that. Never. You never have to ask him to come. Come to our service today, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Man, if you're here and you're saved, he came when you came. And when you leave, he's leaving with you and me and every believer. That's depressing. No, it's not. That's good because some people think, oh, man, if God would just be here to help me. He's with Be with me, Lord. You know I'm going to have a tough one today. You can boldly say, the Lord's with me. He's called the helper. So I've got help. I've got help in every situation of life. He is helping me. And I'm saying that is what you should be saying if you're saved. Well... I just don't know if I feel like he's with me. Some of us don't know we have a heart until we jog. We're like, whoa, I got a heart. Right? I didn't know I had ankles and knees, but now after all this running, I realize I have ankles and knees. You had them the whole time. You just became conscious. He's in you, and you can be conscious of him, and he is the guarantee, the earnest. He's the seal. He's the mark. He's the one who will deal with you about the inheritance you have. Somebody said, I don't know about this. Don't be like one of those 70 who were skeptical when the call came to explain their inheritance, or like that guy in the park. Romans eight fourteen, The Spirit of God does not lie. He cannot lie. And so he's only going to tell you the truth. And this is a truth, and he's the guarantee of this inheritance. Notice this in Romans. And this is written to believers. It's real easy to become a believer. It's real easy to get saved. Somebody said, yeah, but it takes a little bit to walk the walk. Well, It's much easier to walk the walk when you live totally surrendered than halfway surrendered. That's just a side thought. But it'll help you. It gets hard when you're not fully surrendered. It's much easier just to be sold out and do the whole. Just go all the way. You're holding back and the only thing you're missing is what's better. 
No, I mean not anybody here, obviously. Romans, the 8th chapter in the 14th verse. It says, for as many as are led or directed by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Children of God should expect God to lead them. He said, if you're a child, you'll be led. Why? Because the earnest of your down payment or his down payment concerning the inheritance is the Spirit living inside of you. Now, we know the Bible teaches about being filled to overflowing with the Spirit, but everybody who's saved has the Spirit. So there's somebody on the inside of you, God himself. Notice this. For as many as you, I'm sorry, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Who are children of God? People who are dealt with by God. Every Christian, everybody who's given their life to the Lord has somebody in them, God himself, dealing with them. Notice, these are sons of God. Notice, for, for, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father, or Daddy, God. When you got saved, you received the spirit, and what it did was it made you inwardly new, but then he inside of you compels you toward a relationship with God personally. He will cause you to cry out to God, want to know God better, want to walk with God better. That's what he means when he's saying, Abba, Father. You, inside, he's compelling you. There will be just a desire I never wanted to read the Bible until I gave my life and surrendered my life to the Lord. Then I wanted to know. There was something in me. There was like a hunger. Didn't know it was the Spirit compelling me. And He's inside every believer. If we would pay attention and begin to work with Him. But what's interesting is, is He said, You didn't receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. Remember, as a child, when you get saved, you receive the earnest, the guarantee. And by him we cry out. But notice verse 16. He said, we're led by him. We cry out to God because of him. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That verse right there. Or those verses are huge. Because what's he saying? Children of God, people who are saved, are guaranteed to be dealt with by God. Then he said, you didn't receive a spirit of bondage, but you received the Holy Spirit in you. By him, you're compelled to want to go further with God and know God better. Then he said, his spirit bears witness with your spirit. So not only... Do you want to know God better and there's something in you? 
Isn't it wild how people fight against God sometimes and go, I just don't want to pray. And you just know, I, I need to pray. It's because it's the spirit in you going, hey, let's get to know God better. I'm too busy. Then we're basically not listening to him. But he's trying to help because he's the helper. He's not trying to hinder you. He's not trying to rob you of something. He's trying to teach you something, what you have and who you are in Christ. And what's interesting is he said the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Didn't say he says it with an audible voice. But this is something the world does not have. The Spirit in them witnessing that you are a child of God. But there's a couple of things you need to know. One, he said, it didn't say he witnesses to your body. It didn't say he witnesses to your mind. He said his spirit witnesses to your spirit. That's important. Because sometimes Christians are wanting a feeling. Or they're wanting something in their mind. But the Bible teaches the spirit is way down inside. Have you ever done something after you got saved and you just knew down inside, don't do that. And you're like, I'm doing it. Your head went, do it, do it, do it. And your body's like, it'll feel real good. But something way down inside went, uh-uh. That's him witnessing to your spirit. You've got to learn to obey him and respond. It's the path of life for the believer. And he'll lead you into this inheritance. But notice what he's talking about. He's talking about sons. People calling out to God, he's your father. Him bearing witness with your spirit that you're his own, you're his child. So he's talking about a relationship with the father through Jesus by the spirit and a real working of the spirit. But what's interesting is, isn't he the earnest or the down payment of the inheritance, what we have in Christ? Notice what he says in the very next verse. And if children, how, how do you know you're a Christian? You ever had somebody say, how do you know you're a Christian? How do you know you're saved? I remember years ago, I was like, you know, because you always want the best answer, right? I don't know, I just know. Then later on, I tried to get a better answer. Didn't know that was the best answer. I don't know, I just know. How do you know? I just know. I didn't know the reason I knew was I had a witness inside that said, you are. But I knew it. I got saved. I said, I know I'm saved. And it was his spirit witnessing to me. It wasn't him yelling at me. I just knew that I knew. He witnessed. He caused me to know. And notice here it says, and if children. Well, he tells you how to know you're a child. His spirit will witness to you that you are. You'll know it way down inside. And if children, then heirs. <clears throat> this is kind of starting to sound like inheritance talk. Heirs of God and joint or equal heirs with Christ. If you're a child, <clears throat> you're an heir of God. You're a joint or an equal heir with Jesus. How do you know you're a child? He bears witness. The Spirit bears witness. So knowing you're a child by that witness is telling you you have something from God. You're an heir of God. You're an equal heir with Jesus. 
I've said that before, and I know sometimes people get nervous in their head. You're saying I'm equal with Jesus? No, he didn't say that. He didn't say you're the savior of the world. He said you're a joint or equal heir. Jesus bought everything not for himself. He obtained it for you. So you become an equal heir. You get to partake of everything he paid for. He didn't need salvation. He didn't need cleansing from sin. He didn't need authority over the devil. He didn't need victory in life. He lived all that. He surrendered it all and took sin upon himself so you could have this inheritance. And the Spirit will witness to you that you're his own. You'll just know it inside. I guarantee as I teach these things, people who are saved, something rises up in them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then if you're not careful, your head will go, well, y'all just wait a minute. Because we don't go by our heads. We renew our minds. But we've got something beyond that. Notice he said we're an heir of God. Let's read this one last verse set of scriptures in Galatians. Galatians, the fourth chapter. Very similar again. The third chapter of Galatians, Galatians talks about this inheritance, this blessing of Abraham that was on him in his finances, that was on him in his body, his mind, his work, his relationship with God. He talks about that in the third chapter of Galatians and talks about how it's when you become a son, it's yours. Now, we've looked at these verses, but notice what he's, because what he's about to say here in the fourth chapter, he's on the same line. But remember this, when the Bible was written, it was not written in chapter and verse. That was added later so you could find it. Praise the Lord. Because could you imagine people going, no, it's trying to find a verse in a chapter. It was added by man to help us for study and things like we're doing. So in a letter, I mean, you don't write stuff like that in a letter. I was wondering how you were doing today. Chapter 2. <laughs> Would you like to go to the store? I'm going to be going to the store. Chapter 3. After, I'll be going to the movies. Would you like to come there too? The end. No, chapter and verse was written to break it up. So it's the same train of thought coming through after talking about an inheritance. But in the fourth chapter, notice this. And really what it was, was the, the book of Galatians is really written because a bunch of people were trying to work to get this inheritance, to work to get the stuff God had for them instead of trusting that God had provided it for them. <clears throat> notice this. Galatians 4 Verse 6 and 7. I guess I have to get there. Galatians, the fourth chapter, the sixth verse and the seventh verse. And it says, and because you are sons. Now he told us you, get, you become a child of God by putting your faith in Jesus. Notice, and he said that in the third chapter in the very last verses. But here he said, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, an heir of God through Christ. 
you become an heir when you get saved. His spirit is the guarantee of your inheritance. There is an inheritance that every believer needs to know about. The inheritance is universal. It's not all about heaven. It's all the stuff Jesus paid for. Jesus didn't just pay for forgiveness of sins. He paid for deliverance, for healing, preservation, protection. But here's the thing. If a person doesn't know about their inheritance, the Lord, if they will be diligent, the Lord will try to teach them on their own. And then what happens is when you find out about it, it gives you the opportunity to partake. What if everybody here owned an acre of land and we were all, you know, out somewhere and we just each had our own acre and we were just living happily ever after, you know, on our own acre and then news came that you have oil on your land. The information of having oil is not just to rejoice and live exactly the same way that you've always lived. The information of oil on your land says, I've got it. How do I get it into my life so it can work for me? Having information about your inheritance is important, but God just didn't want you to go, goody, I have an inheritance. He wants you to learn how to walk in that inheritance. He wants you to know that if you'd believe it in your heart, you'd begin to act like it's true and begin to declare it with your mouth. It will begin to work for you. Just like salvation works that way. All the promises of God are a faith thing. You with me? Let's do this. Let's bow our heads. <clears throat> and if you're here today, and you're, you're a Christian, you're, you've given your life to the Lord, God's Spirit's in you. He will purpose to witness to the truth. Down inside, you'll know, this is like a breath of fresh air. There is something in this that's right. Uh, my head might not understand it, but he who lives in me sure does, and he's trying to convey this to me. If you're a believer, you should declare, God has something for me. And God, I'm going to listen to you. You'll teach me and you'll direct me by your spirit. And then pay attention to when he prompts you to do things. Know the value of being in church and being taught correctly. Know the value of studying the Bible for yourself. Know the value of praying and right thinking. Because the issue is this. God is endeavoring to get you to know what already belongs to you. He's endeavoring. He's working. Amen?